Go ahead and open up to Luke 4, continuing our, our Advent study through Luke 4, 16 through 21. We started this last week, and, and uh, as I was kind of explaining, it's, it's Jesus' mission statement, if you will, or basically this passage discusses what he came to accomplish for us in coming to be born into this world, to, to die, what specifically he came to do in our lives. And um, we talked about how it's important to make sure we don't lose sight of that, as we can easily do in the busyness of Christmas, because it is what makes Christmas special, because Christmas is a time of celebrating Jesus' birth. And so knowing what it is that he's done in our lives, what he is doing, what he's going to do, that's what makes it such a big deal, the this, this celebration of his birth. And that first mission of his that we talked about last week was that he came to proclaim good news to the poor, or good news, or the, the gospel. That's what gospel means, good news, be, being Jesus' death and resurrection and what that accomplished in saving us from our sins. So that was the first thing we talked about. And then the poor, proclaimed, he came to proclaim good news to those that need to hear that gospel, which is all of us, in some sense or another, because before believing in Jesus and having our sin paid for, but sin makes us poor in so many ways, whether that's materially, emotionally, spiritually. We talked about those different ways last week, and Jesus came to fix that in our lives, specifically. And we heard a great personal testimony from someone that understood without Jesus they were poor and personally through faith in Jesus in their lives last week. And what we're going to see today and in the following weeks is that all of the other things that Jesus came to do, they start in believing the gospel that allows God to do what he wants to do in all of our lives. As one of our elders, Greg Morrill, I won't call him out, reminded me last week, the gospel is not just the starting point. It is the only point. Without the gospel, there is nothing else. All right? And it's through believing the gospel that not only are you made rich in Christ, but as we're going to see this week, you are also set free from being a captive to sin in your life. All right. So let me read the passage again that we're in, and then I'll pray, and then we will look at the little uh, part we're going to focus on today. Luke 4, verse 16 says, And he came to Nazareth, this is Jesus, where he had been brought up or raised, And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. This being a prophecy, prophesied hundred years. And it said in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Lord God, amen. Oh Lord, we praise you. We praise that that's true. You came and you fulfilled that scripture and you fulfilled those things in our lives to some degree or another. I know some of these things are works in progress, Lord, but 
through believing the good news, believing the gospel, understanding who you are, you have changed us forever. You've brought us from death, literally death, eternal separation from you, to eternal life or a life spent with you, never to be separated. And all of the benefits that come with that, Lord, it's all because of you. And we rejoice in that fact. We rejoice in that day you were born. And Lord, uh, as we go through this next bit of this, 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 this specific thing you came to do, setting the captives free, Lord, may it, as I was talking to a brother this morning who, who just was reflecting and thinking after last week about his salvation story, about what you did in his life, may it bless us to be reminded of what you set us free in our own lives, Lord. And maybe even for the person here today or listening online that needs to be set free, today would be the day of salvation for them so that maybe they started today as a captive, but they would be free in Christ at the end of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the second thing Jesus came to do in our focus of this morning is in verse 18, and that is he, speaking of God the Father, has sent me that would be God the Son or Jesus, to proclaim liberty to the captives. So Jesus came to preach liberty, or some of your translations might say freedom, to those that are prisoners or captives. And there are two main parts of this second aspect of Jesus' mission that I want to focus on today. The first being, who are these captives and what are they a prisoner of? So if you're a note taker, you can write that down. Who are these captives? What are they a prisoner of? And then second... How does Jesus free them? Okay, second thing, how does Jesus free him? So the first, who are these captives and what are they a prisoner of? Again, just as we're all poor in some way or another, before Jesus comes into our lives, we are also captives or prisoners to sin as well. We're all born with a nature to do what is wrong according to God's Word, despite what so-called experts might say, sin is not a learned trait. It is something that you are born with. Now, I'm not saying that the environment definitely can have an effect on what you grow up thinking is right and wrong and acceptable and not. It can have an effect on that. But our nature or natural tendency to do bad or evil things, bad or evil things being defined as the opposite of what God says is good and right in his word, and really just the nature to not just want to do what we're told at all, is a trait we all have, okay? It's the reason why when you see that speed limit that says 55, you want to go just over it, or some of us quite a bit over it. All right. It's the reason that you see the wet paint sign and you got to touch it to prove that it is wet. Okay. It's the reason as you're growing up, every time your parents say something, you just want to do the opposite. Even if the opposite doesn't make any sense. I've learned that I'm just going to tell my boys often the opposite of what I want them to do because that'll get them to do what I actually want to do. All right. It's the reason why my wife during COVID was driven crazy by those six foot apart signs with the little circle telling you where to stand and she'd always stand just to the side of it because she didn't like being told where to stand. All right? That's our nature, okay? 
David understood this in Psalm 51.5. He says, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Now, here's the thing. Society at one point actually understood this as well. Case in point, in 1926, Governor Theodore Christensen of Minnesota established the Minnesota Crime Commission. Mind you, this is a secular organization. This is not a Christian organization. And their point was to study crime and evaluate its causes. And this commission eventually concluded that criminal tendencies were not the result of poverty, education, or environment that people grew up in. But instead, here's what their final conclusion was. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, or whatever. Deny him these and he seizes with rage and aggressiveness, aggressiveness, which could be murderous were he not so helpless. He's dirty. He has no morals, no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each want, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. That was from a secular organization. That is what they realized, just what the Bible teaches us, right? That we're born sinners. Now, the sinful trait that we all have was passed on to us from the very first human being that chose to disobey God's one and only command he gave him back in Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden. And Romans 5.12 tells us, Paul tells us, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. It came through Adam, and everyone's inherited ever since. Think of it this way. Just like you inherit physical traits from your parents, we all inherited this trait from Adam. And you might say, well, that's not fair. Why am I stuck with his sinfulness? I could really do better. And I would just caution you to not be too prideful in that, because here's the thing. He failed when there was only one thing not to do, right? You have all this garden. You have everything in here. It's all perfect. It's all good. You can eat it all. Just don't eat this. And since then, God's enlightened to us with a bunch of other do's and don'ts. Things that aren't good and things that aren't bad. So if he couldn't follow the one rule, there's no way we could follow all of the rules, okay? And so... Sin has a way of enslaving us or making us a captive to it because our flesh is what we call depraved or basically we have a tendency to do what we want to do or what appeals to our flesh. As I said last week, before God comes into our life, we're very good at worshiping ourselves or being our own gods. And what that amounts to is wanting to please our flesh, wanting to make ourselves happy, wanting to make ourselves feel good. That is the reason we're living. We're living for ourselves. We're our own idols. And the problem is with that is that what you feel is best for yourself, what you feel is the right choice to make, isn't always good for you or good for other people. 
All right? Our hearts are deceitful. We don't know what's good. We don't know truly what's good and bad without God helping us. And there is a very real enemy named Satan that knows that about you and plays off of that so he can lead you into harming yourself and harming others. Paul tells us about this in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, not just some sins, many sins, used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So we were trapped in essence. In bondage to our sinfulness and not able to do anything about it in our own power. And as such, we were subject to the consequences that come with disobeying God's word. That's what God's word's here for, to lead you away from those things that would harm you. But we were trapped in harming ourselves, trapped in harming other people. Many of us can look at our lives before Jesus came into them and can see that, that that was the pattern of just slowly destroying ourselves and other people around us. And we were subject to God's anger and wrath and judgment that our sin justly deserved. Having a destiny, as we talked about last week, of eternal separation or torment apart from God. Because our sin separated us from him. And this brings us to the second question. How does Jesus free us from this bondage? So through faith in Jesus, you're not only forgiven of your sins, which is great. That's the good, that's the good news. But it's also through your faith in Jesus that you're set free from being in bondage to your sinful nature or being controlled by it. Paul telling us in Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, but God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The moment you placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the old you that was in bondage, that was captive, to your sinful nature and spiritually dead, that part of you died with Christ on that cross and went to the grave. And just as Jesus rose from the grave, you too were resurrected anew, as it says in Ephesians 2.10, regenerated by the Holy Spirit or born again, as Jesus talks about in John 3.7, changed to be controlled by Christ instead of controlled by your flesh. Amen? Talks about this in Titus 3, 3 through 7. 
says, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God, our savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the spirit upon us through Christ Jesus, our savior, because of his grace. He made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And now you're empowered through his spirit that lives in you to do the good things, like it says in Ephesians, that he planned for you long ago before you were even born. Or basically follow his word so you can experience the blessedness or happiness in good, pleasing and perfect will that he intends for you in your life. Romans 6.18 tells us, Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. This is what baptism is a picture of. When we go under the water, the water speaking of the Holy Spirit, or it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit, you go under the water, and that's a picture of your old life going to the grave with Jesus, and you go, you come out of the water changed anew in Christ. Amen? It's an external picture of what's already happened through your faith in Jesus. And now in faith, we live in that victory. What I mean by that is because God said it, we believe it. Whether we feel it or not doesn't matter. God has said through your faith in Jesus, you are anew. And now you are no longer controlled by your flesh. You are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so as the Spirit convicts us, and as we read his word and we see what's right, we live we want to, we choose to live the way he says, and then he empowers us to do so, all right? We don't live with a defeated attitude. So far, so so many times, that's the, we, what we can do if we make a mistake of like, well, I just don't think I can, or it's too hard. No, no, no. Christ has already won the victory for you. You're more than a conqueror. So you don't live with a defeated attitude. You're a winner in Christ, not because of anything you bring to the table, And then you look to God to live in that victory. Amen? Amen. Which doesn't mean we don't ever mess up because we're still in our fallen bodies. So we still are susceptible to temptation. We still are going to give in to that. And I'm not saying that none of us should want to, but that is the reality. But since we know Jesus has already paid the price for those times we mess up, we can be confident, as it says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Okay? That's the key. Knowing that we've been forgiven of all our sins, even the sins that you're going to do, you're not shocking God. He's all-knowing. He knows all things. So he knew what you were going to do up until the point you're going to be with him even when he saved you. So there's nothing to hide from God. That's a lie that the enemy sometimes makes us want to think that somehow we're going to, we're, we're, we're hiding our sin or we should be afraid of going to God with our sin. No, no, no. He loves you. He loved you when you were at your worst. He loves you now that you're at your best because he sees you as Jesus. And so you don't hide anything. You go to him confidently, not being condemned, not being guilty when you know you've done something wrong and you repent. 
That's where repentance is not a bad word. It means you're going towards God. And you can go to God confidently knowing that you're forgiven of that sin. And then the second part happens. And then to cleanse you from all wickedness. Then with that repentant heart and going to God knowing that you're forgiven. God can help you walk in that freedom of wickedness. But we got to be open and honest with him. That repentance leads to walking in that victory instead of trying to hide it. Amen? All right. But your flesh is not in the driver's seat anymore. And as such, habitual sin, knowing willful sin should not be something in a believer's life. Basically, there should be conviction. And that's different than condemnation. I like to point that out to people. Condemnation is not from the Lord, all right? Because your sins have been paid for. He does not want you feeling condemned. He does not want you feeling guilty. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. That's proof that you're saved. All right. When people come up to me and they're struggling with sin in their lives and they're feeling like guilty. I'm like, okay. so here's the thing. Don't be guilty or condemned. Jesus has paid the price for that sin. But this conviction you have, that's evidence that you're saved. That's a good thing. Because what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do is not do this because he doesn't want you to keep hurting yourself. And in him, you can walk forward in the victory God's given you. Amen? All right? So, 1 John 3, 9, I wanted to point this voice. This is where it talks about, it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he has been born of God. Now, I like how it uses practice. That's the idea. Habitual sin. Because here's the thing. You were born... As a descendant of Adam, and because of that, you have a sinful nature. But through your faith in Jesus, you've been born again. And now you're a son of God or a daughter of God. And now you take on the nature of God and you reflect your father in heaven through the power of his spirit inside of you. Amen? Amen. All right. But living for Jesus also takes, it takes discipline on our part. We still make that intentional effort to learn his word and what's right and wrong, to pray and ask for his help, to be around other believers who can encourage us and help us move and motivate us to the right direction. We do what the early church did in Acts 2.42. We devote ourselves to the word, to prayer, to fellowship. And basically, in essence, you're devoting yourself to Jesus. And the more devoted yourself to Jesus, guess what? You're gonna reflect him more in your life. Just as our own children reflect their parents, character traits and tendencies because they're around their parents all the time the more you're around jesus guess who you're going to reflect jesus christ amen amen all right and jesus talks about this he says in john 8 31 through 36 you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free but we are descendants of abraham they said we have never been slaves to anyone What do you mean you will set us free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, now what we're going to do is we're going to hear some examples of people that have experienced this freedom in their lives. So we're going to hear from a married couple separately. But um, Rex and Julia Olson are going to come up and share their testimony. So we're going to have Rex Olson come up here first. Is this one on? 
I assume it's is this is that's better. Okay. There we go. We have All right. Okay, so I don't have to hold this one, so we don't have to worry about dropping it. Um, Chris had asked me to come do this on Monday, and at first I was a little apprehensive, but then I, I got myself together, and I, I was like, okay, I can do this. And I called him, and I said, all right, let's do this. And I was all proud, I was happy, ready to do this, and then I ran into him on Thursday. And he goes, you know, the videos that are when people testify, they usually get more views. And I went, oh, wait a second, maybe I should be a little nervous, and... And I put that to ease, and I went to bed, tried to go to bed last night, and I just could not sleep. I'm just nervous, nervous, nervous. So now that that's out of the way, um, when uh, I was born and raised in Astoria, I had a, a pretty good family, uh, pretty well off, but there was no Jesus in our life. There was nothing. It was, it was uh, kind of fend for yourself, if you want to put it. Easily, And I went through my life in that regard and just kind of was what Chris had said, selfish and, and uh, not really guided or given any sort of guidance. Um, when I was first introduced to Jesus was I was put in juvenile hall. I was about 15 years old and I had a pastor. I can't remember his name, but he put the fear of Jesus into me and I was what is this? Is this something I want to be a part of? I am so worried about this. And I, I spent my whole life kind of running away. My whole life running away, running away, running away. But for some reason, I must have been in God's grace because he had a plan for me. And I stayed away from people who were bad and made a lot of good decisions with my life. And I thank him for that, even though he wasn't part of it, as far as I saw it. Um, and... Uh, so at that point, I started to, I just went to work, and I, I worked, and I really started to try to make some friends, but it got pretty tricky, um, simply because I started to lose faith in the world. All I saw was a bunch of broken. I didn't really have trust in anybody. I started, a lot of people deceived me, lied to me, all sorts of things, and so I kind of went into my shell, and I worked, and I just kind of kept to myself, and I still have fallen into those habits, and I'm slowly starting to break that because of this family that I've become a part of, which thank each and every one of you. It's been it's been a journey. So, so uh, at that point, I got lost in work, and I had a customer call, and that was Jim Jim Ganaway, and I got lost in a conversation with him, and he introduced me to a different a different thought process that involved Jesus. And I, I kind of blew him off at the time because of my prior experience. And I just went on with life. And, and uh, then later on, we had another call from a customer. And that was Coastline Christian Fellowship. And uh, Eric Curtis, wherever he is, um, came up. And he invited me to church. And once again, I was kind of apprehensive, but much more receptive than used to be. And uh, it just weighed on me every day. I kept thinking, you know, what's going on over there? What's going on over there? How come I'm being so pulled to this? And uh, a year went by, and in that time, unbeknownst to me, there was a lot of people in this church praying for me and my family. And uh, thank each and every one of you for that as well. I had no clue any of that was going on. Um, and so me and Julia kind of went along with the with the strides of life and moved along and always kind of felt that pull, that pull, that pull. 
So uh, we uh, were thinking and talking with each other, and we finally decided to go forth and, and come to this to this congregation. And it's been a home ever since. It's been a great place to be, and I really appreciate the healthy people, the people who aren't deceiving, and everybody here at this church. Really, Pastor has been so fantastic. With everything he does, um, how bright those lights are, he's pretty good at this. He's he's really good at this. Um, But I guess, basically, I was born into a household, no guidance, no Jesus. He kept me close to his heart, even though I tried to pull away. And for that, I am eternally thankful. And I, uh, yeah, I really appreciate this. This has been great. And to have him in my life has been a complete game changer. I used to take control of everything. That was part of one of my bad habits. I would just take control and try to force this through and force that through. And I would just be banging my head against the wall constantly until I finally learned to just give it to Jesus, to just let go and understand that he has a plan that I'm not privy to, but I'm definitely a part of. So I think that's pretty much sums it up. Thanks, Rex. Let's let your wife come up. Julia's going to come up here. Probably use the same mic. All right, I've got my notes because I'm probably going to lose my train of thought. Um, So my testimony begins with I've I've always believed in God. That has never been a question. I just didn't really think about it much more than that. But I've always been a believer that God is out there. But how much? He takes part in our lives is something I had never thought about. So my journey to God, I guess, begins when my son was born, Felix. It really got me to thinking about some of the heavier questions in life. What do I want to teach him? What kind of values I want to present to him? And um, my search had landed me into the world of the occult. I used to be (laughs) a tarot reader, an astrologer, practitioner, um, metaphysics, divination, just new age stuff, witchcraft, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I was seeking God. That was really my intention behind that. And I just didn't know any better. And I didn't care to ask anybody else for anything. And I thought I knew better. So that's where it landed me. And I stayed there for a number of years. Um, and then I met Leah Dalton. Our kids became best friends. And that introduced one Christian person in my life and we just grew closer and then COVID hit and we got to spend more time together and our conversations got deeper and you know I kind of started to ask myself some other questions and then through Leah I got plugged into a homeschool group that is also a big part of the people here and every time every Friday we would go on a hike or do something together and Every Friday, I would just go, wow, this is this is really cool. Who are these people? How come I've never met people like that before in my life? I want, I'm want. i so happy my son is friends with their children. I'm happy to hang out with them. This, What's going on here? It really started to put questions in my mind. And at that time, um, I, I answered the phone for our business. 
And a lot of churches started calling us, Coastline being one of them. Um, all of a sudden, we literally had probably close to 10 churches that called us over the span of t- two years um, to hire us. And so I, it really made me notice that. Like, what's, what's going on? <laughs> it's the... Um, uh, then the other part of it was the homeschool for my uh, choosing a curriculum for homeschool for my son. I tried to go down the path of a secular uh, homeschool curriculum, and I had a terrible experience with how that all went down. So that flipped me 180, and I went to a Christian curriculum, even though we weren't Christian. And I decided I'm just going to pull things apart and decide what's needed and what's not. But that brought Christian worldview into my sight, my line of sight and train of thinking, and it kind of started operating in the background, whether I was known, really aware of it or not. And then my other son was born, and the homeschool group was basically my only form of support, uh, besides my husband, of course, but um, they blessed me beyond anything I could have ever asked for. I got through being pregnant with Alex, through actually having uh, Leah watch Felix while I was away giving birth to Alex, and it really got me asking a lot more questions about who, who who are these people? Why is why are they caring about me so much? What have I ever done? And um, and beknownst to me, they had been praying for me and my family that whole time, and that is amazing. I cannot thank you guys enough for that. Um, and then I really started to think: is is God trying to get my attention? You know, I who am I? to say no if he's the one trying to get my attention when I am out here seeking him. And and then I had this uh, Bible verse pop into my head, and then I started seeing it everywhere, um, whether it was a YouTube video that was suggested or a customer had sent an email and it was a signature, and it was John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Um, that really spoke to me, and it really made me wonder what is this all about? So, and that prompted me to watch a video that talked about truth. And I realized that because I thought the occult was my truth. That had nothing to do with what the truth is. And that's Jesus. And, um, and then I decided, you know, I, I think I want to try going to church. We had been invited by the Curtises and the Daltons to come to church. And I really thought, you know... We'll, we'll give it a try and see if there's something there. Something's being pulling me to it. So I brought it up to Rex, and he's like, you know, I feel the same way. So we've kind of arrived here, very separate pathways, but beautifully at the same time. And if I feel my eyes have been opened, I understand so much more about God and the purpose of life and what Jesus has done for us. And I am eternally grateful. And so... I, the last part, I've been really watching a lot of sermons and just learning about the Bible because this is, is, this is amazing and I'm fascinated and in awe. So I've been watching a teaching about the book of Esther and I know I don't know a whole lot of anything, but one phrase really stuck to me is that the curious fact about the book of Esther is that God is never mentioned in it. Yet, we're well, looking back, we can't help but see him at every turn of events. 
And that really makes me look back on my life and realize God has been there the entire way. He's been there for me when I moved from Russia to United States. He's been there when I met my husband and how that happened. When I got the job offer that put me in the position where I met my husband and the sequence events that took place. When we bought our house, he was there every single time. And I can't help but see him now, even though through my point of view, he wasn't there. But I see him now. And he continues to be there. His orchestration and coordination of, uh, of all the points of my life is absolutely amazing. I am so grateful that he was patient with me and kind and waiting for me to turn to him. Uh, because he knew that I was searching for him. And however faulty and whatever wrong places I chose to look, he knew I was still looking for him. So, so he always made sure that I had a path to him no matter how lost I was. And that path led me here. So I am happy to be here. <laughs> Amen. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to have uh, Rex come up and I'm going to pray for you guys really quick. So Rex, why don't you come up here? <sighs> it's all right. Let me just uh, pray. You guys join me in praying for this them and their family, their kids. You guys got to meet their kids. They're awesome kids too. I had them at kids camp, so... Lord God, I just lift up my brother and sister and, and their kids. Lord, just thank you so much for bringing them to yourself, first and foremost. What a testimony of just hearing how through multiple different avenues, different people just in their lives that weren't there by accident, that you strategically put there um, to draw them to yourself. And that over time you were just breaking down walls, taking away excuses and, and, and patiently um, wooing them until they understood their need for you in their lives. So, Father, just thank you for that. Thank you for bringing them here to be a part of this church family. Um, Lord, it's just what what an encouragement to hear of a, li- a life. It doesn't matter who it is, but a life that has come to know you and come to know the truth, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That nobody comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. And to see the change, just to see... I, I know seeing their smiling faces is encouraging to me as they're listening to your word and learning and, and, and learning these things that um, that they can only from you, from the truth of your word, Lord. And I pray that you would continue just to, to, to teach them the truth of your word in such a way that they continue to experience like a fruitful life, just blessing and happiness and, and joy and, and wisdom all things that we all look for in life but can only be found in you, Jesus. And, and they're proof of who you are because one way or another, when we follow you, we understand that this is the right way. This is what makes sense. It, your word always proves itself to be truth and the, in, in the right thing to do. So I pray you continue to show that to both of them and then anoint them to, to continue to teach their kids to learn these things as well. And may we as a church family be around them to support them however needed, Lord, and to continue to encourage them to you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you guys very much. Isn't that so encouraging? Man, it's the second testimony what I love about as the worship team comes back up here. Um, I love how that it wasn't just like one person, all right, or one ex- emotional experience. It was through multiple people. And, and the reason I point that out is because, again, to remind you guys, you guys are not where you're at in this community by accident, okay? And there are people watching you that you don't even know are watching you. And your prayers are powerful because I remember 
the first day they came to our church with Leah and Doug and and somebody came up and told me and said, oh, pray for them. We've been praying for them. This is awesome that they're here, you know, and, and, and so the, those prayers were heard and God was drawing them to himself until they came to that conclusion that Jesus, in fact, was who they were looking for. The, the one and only way to God. Amen. And, and that was through just everyone just being faithful with the different responsibilities God's given them, the gi- different giftings they've given them. And every single one of you have that is, is a child of God. You have significance, you have purpose, and God wants to use you in other people's lives. Amen? He is using you, whether you know it or not. And I'm confident that when we get to heaven, we'll see all the ways that we didn't even know he was using us from just being faithful. Amen? Amen. Well, that's worthy to praise God for. He has set them free. He set us free. So let's worship him on this last song. We'll have our prayer team around the room. Again, last week it was pretty moving to see God really speak to people through the testimony that was given in, in, in different ways. I mean, ways that were things he wasn't even talking about up there. And God was just really ministering to people. And so I'm really confident he's doing the same thing today. So if you want to respond to whatever God is, whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you, maybe you're somebody here today, much like they were not too long ago, where you feel God pulling you to himself. You see the writing on the wall that, man... There's got to be a God, and today you were introduced to the way to know him, and that's through faith in his son, Jesus. Come up and get prayer. We will lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior or answer any questions that you have. Um, We'd love to pray with you. If you need prayer for something else, come up and get prayer as well. But let's go ahead and worship God for the great work he's done in the Olson's life and also in our own lives and just remembering what he set us free from. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for their testimonies. Man, I, I, like Rex, it just gets me emotional. I, I think of that verse that talks about how the, the angels rejoice in heaven when somebody gets saved. Like, they know. I mean, this is the reason we're here. We're in the reason you haven't come back yet. Because your desire is that none shall perish. All shall come to repentance. So you're not slow in keeping your promise. You just know that there's people left that you're going after that need to know you as their Lord and Savior. That are going to do that. And so we want to be faithful with the time we have left here, uh, just like the people in their lives were that knew you, to, to be witnesses for you so that all those people can be saved, Lord. So thank you for their testimony and thank you for just what you've done in our lives as well. As we're reminded today, you set us free, Lord. We're no longer our old selves. You, that part of us went to the grave and we are free in Christ. And we're thankful that you're with us to help us live in that freedom. That victory, as Paul says, we're more than conquerors. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from it. You've already won it for us. And may we live in that victory, Lord, and experience every bit of that abundant life you intend for us. In Jesus' name, amen.